Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Hello, hello, and welcome back to our podcast. Good to have you here, dear listener. Dear listeners from so many countries around the world, listening in, asking questions, not settling for less, hoping for a new perspective, right? That's empowering, not disempowering. Well, you've come to the right place. You've come to the right place. That is why we exist, to shift our perspectives, to have more conscious perspectives around this so-called disorder, currently labeled or currently called ADHD. So today's episode is really, again, another eye-opener about how little the so-called experts out there know. And today I wanted to share some information that is almost 20 years old. But if you really look at it, or if I look at it from my point of view in my life, 20 years ago, I was 31. This is more like 20 some years ago. So let's say I was like in my late 20s, early 30s. I could have been already a child diagnosed with ADHD and medicated, right? Had that happened to me, had my parents done that, at the same age as my son got diagnosed at seven, right? This would have been 1977. This is 22 years. So the information I'm about to share would have been 22 years after my own diagnosis. After my own diagnosis, 22 years later, listening to this information that came from the National Institute of Health here in the United States would have been shocking to myself at a 30, as a 30-year-old, had I been diagnosed with ADHD at an early age and medicated, and it would have certainly been shocking to my parents. So that's why I'm sharing this information. A lot has happened since, and we can go in on that as well a little bit later on in this episode. So let's start this episode by pointing out that I'm about to play you a clip. It is an audio clip that I downloaded from YouTube. And this is a uh, excerpt from a documentary called Generation RX. This is a film by Kevin P. Miller that came out in uh, 2008. I will link to the entire film uh, in the show notes. You can watch this entire movie on YouTube. Kevin P. Miller, the filmmaker himself, has posted this and it does say, obviously, on YouTube that this film is being shown only as a demonstration of Kevin P. Miller's work. It is not hosted there for any commercial purpose or financial profit. Therefore, it is illegal to download, display, or use the film for any purpose on YouTube or elsewhere without first contacting the filmmaker for permission. Now, I'm using this for a different reason. I'm using this uh, sort of journalistically to comment on what's happening rather than making a profit or saying I've, I've recorded this myself or this is my media. This is by, by no means anything I was involved in, right? And I will be also contacting Kevin P. Miller to be on the podcast as well. So um, all, all is uh, transparent here. 
So this is a clip that I'm going to play from the documentary. So you will hear uh, three different voices. There's the, uh, the director of the NIH at the time who's making the introduction, so to speak. Well, first, you're going to hear a voiceover of the film. It's going to be a more British accent voiceover that you'll hear. But then the National Institute of Health director will intro uh, this uh, pediatrician, Mark Vonnegut, and ask him some questions around ADHD. So that's what the clip is. And the reason why I chose to play this clip, and this clip was recorded in 1998. So this is a little over 20 years ago. Not that long ago, if you think about it, very close to the year 2000, right? 1998. But the reason why I wanted to uh, finally uh, record a podcast with the clip in it is to show you again the incompetence, or I should even say the audacity for our so-called experts on the front line of ADHD to claim that they know exactly what it is, exactly um, what the, the symptoms are, exactly what the causes are, and so forth. That is the audacity they have to portray that image in public to this day with the same arguments. And in this clip, you will see how they struggle. And I'm going to leave um, I'm also going to lead to uh, some links where you can actually read the document, right? The conclusions. I will read some excerpts from the NIH consensus um, summary, but I'm also going to link to it in the show notes so you can see and read for yourself what the conclusion was of this three-day intensive consensus panel discussion with the top experts around ADHD. And since you're not seeing this, this is audio only, imagine a panel full of the top expert, experts on ADHD and then the director of the NIH basically asking a question to one of the panel members, Dr. Vonnegut, around what is ADHD? What are the symptoms? You know, what is it? So without further ado, I'm going to play the clip. We have agreed that there is no consistent diagnostic test for ADHD. Our knowledge about the cause or causes of ADHD remains speculative. I would now like to open the forum to questions from the press. Uh, Joe Palka with National Public Radio. It sounds a little bit like you're saying that the definition is a little like the Supreme Court's definition of pornography, which is you know it when you see it. <laughs> No, I, I'm concerned. I, we're we're going to disagree, and okay. uh, I would like uh, any member of the panel to describe uh, a typical ADHD in terms of symptomatology. Mark, would you like to? Since you see them in your practice, there. I mean, I think the panel has been frank, and you know the difficulties here are immense in terms of of. Uh, um, these, I mean, <clears throat> ah, it is hard. It's very hard to know how to answer this question. These kids, uh, in in my experience, when you see these kids, um, they are 
you know, several standard deviations different in terms of they cannot sit still, they cannot attend, um, they cannot, you know, even when, um, uh, they are as if driven by a motor. There are some good clinical descriptions um, of these kids. I think As pediatrician Mark Vonnegut struggles desperately to describe the symptoms of an ADHD child, it's fair to note that he must have diagnosed and treated hundreds of children for ADHD prior to this conference. But on this day at least, Dr. Vonnegut isn't clear at all about what identifying characteristics are present in an ADHD child. Uh, I, I do, I think... The pro part of the problem is the profession keeps changing the diagnosis. We have DSM four, the latest thing, but we have no, we have no guarantee that DSM-5 won't give us yet another diagnosis. Uh, but certainly, I think we have the feeling, um, again, this, that's not very satisfying, uh, and I'm sure somebody else on this panel should have and could have done a better job than me with this question, so I'll stop talking now. Anybody on the panel want to? When the talking stopped, however, it became painfully evident that the esteemed proponents of ADHD were incapable of providing a cogent definition of this mysterious condition. So, as you could hear from this clip, again, it's not that we are out to blame individual uh, psychiatrists or pediatricians for not really knowing. It's more that the panel consists of individuals, right? The panel, even the American Psychiatric Association, right? The, the DSM, the people that, you know, write or create, revise the DSM, uh, the Diagnostical Statistical Manual, right, for mental disorders. But it's also these kind of panels at the National Institute of Health. Government panels consist of individuals. And when some of the strongest individuals on a panel are asked to really talk about what it is. And when we see this kind of stumbling, this confusion, this not sureness, we could of course say, well, some other experts probably would have done it better. But these are the top experts that the government, our government here in the United States, invited at that time to have a consensus around ADHD, right? And so I'm going to read you now some of the conclusions that came from this. So it was called the Diagnosis and Treatment of Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder National Institutes of Health Consensus Development Conference Statement. This was November 16th through 18th, 1998, right? So I'm just going to read a little bit from the, it's a long document and you can, you know, I'm going to link to it. But basically, um, I just want to read uh, around the conclusions. So here we go. Conclusions. ADHD is a commonly diagnosed behavioral disorder of childhood that represents a costly, major public health problem. Children with ADHD have pronounced impairments and can experience long-term adverse effects on academic performance, vocational success, and social-emotional development, which have a profound impact on individuals, families, schools, and society. Yeah, okay, we get it. We get that's your definition, right? NIH. Despite progress in the assessment diagnosis, and treatment of ADHD, this disorder and its treatment have remained controversial 
especially the use of psychostimulants for both short and long-term treatment. That's true. Although an independent diagnostic test for ADHD does not exist, let me repeat this, although an independent diagnostic test for ADHD does not exist, there is evidence supporting the validity of the disorder. Further research, though, is needed on the dimensional aspects of ADHD as well as the com comorbid coexisting conditions present in both childhood and adult forms. Okay, now let's jump to the end of the conclusions. Finally, after years of clinical research and experience with ADHD, our knowledge about the cause or causes of ADHD remains largely speculative. Consequently, we have no documented strategies for the prevention of ADHD. That's interesting. I just want to dwell a bit on this here, okay? So two things. Let me go with the last sentence first and kind of back my way in there. Consequent, consequently, we have no documented strategies for the prevention of ADHD. That's interesting because I think most parents aren't necessarily concerned about having any kind of strategy for the prevention of ADHD. Sure, if you could talk to a mother with a child or a father or parents with a child of, that has ADHD and you say, if you, you know, could have prevented it before birth or at some point early on, would you have taken measures to prevent it? They might say, yes, of course, I don't want to have to deal with this. I get that, right? There's friction in a family. There's, there's, um, there's a sort of coping attitude. There's a, I wish this wasn't so kind of thing uh, with a lot of parents. And so, yes, of course, you know, retrospectively, they might be interested in a strategy for the prevention. But I, I just think it's interesting that that's the last sentence of the NIH consensus statement in 98 to say, well, we don't have any documented strategies for the prevention of ADHD. See, I would be more interested in you, National Institute of Health or government or top agency, top experts, to have a documented strategies for further research into other possible causes, right? And this is interesting because when you read the second to last sentence, since I'm backing my way in, it says, finally, after years of clinical research and experience with ADHD, our knowledge about the cause or causes of ADHD remains largely speculative. Hold on a minute. These are doctors, scientists, government top level agencies, right? people with funding, people with access to, well, scientific labs, studies, money to do so, right? Lots of these so-called experts, including Russell Barkley, who was present in this consensus, get a lot of money for, from pharmaceutical companies. By the way, that's not a conspiracy. You can look this up on Wikipedia. There is some level of um, transparency, which is good. So my question to you guys, the NIH, for example, or this top level agency, the top level experts is how come your knowledge about the cause or causes of ADHD remain largely speculative? Because anybody can speculate. I can speculate. I'm a dad researcher. I'm doing my own version of a PhD into ADHD, but I can speculate because I'm not an expert. But the moment you're an expert, a scientist, a psychologist, psychiatrist, I believe we got to kind of stop the speculation and go a bit deeper into actual research. 
well, how come we don't have knowledge about the cause or causes of ADHD? And it remains largely speculative because are we happy with just speculating? I don't think parents are. I don't think parents would be happy to know that the NIH is speculating around the real causes of ADHD. But what's really, really fishy to me, the audacity is that the same experts then go on to say in other statements and in, in other media coverage and uh, other consensus, which I get to in a second, they go on to say, oh no, we do know the causes. And people come up with weird stuff like, not weird, when I say weird, I'll explain what I mean by that, but like neurochemical imbalance in the brain, low dopamine levels and so forth, right? It's genetic. So the same expert that say it's speculative then will come at parents with these quote-unquote speculative facts that they do actually know the causes. You know, they always say, well, science is still out on it and we're not all agreeing yet and yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, you guys are all speculating still. Show me the facts. You know, it was great. I had Robert Whitaker, Bob Whitaker from Madden America on my podcast. And he said, to this day, there is no proof. There's no actual study that shows that, that a neurochemical imbalance is, is what causes ADHD. That term was even made up back then. He talked to the experts. I don't have those in front of me right now, but you can listen to our Madden America episode around that. Bob Whitaker has talked to the people who coined the term and they told him in an intimate off the record interview that it's a term that was made up. There is no evidence to back that up. It's kind of like saying, if you were to measure my neurochemical balance, like me, Roman, right now, if you measured the balance and then if I ran outside and somebody spooked the hell out of me around the corner, came around the corner with a knife and goes like, wah, and you were able to measure my chemical balance in that moment, which of course you can't, but you could measure it post. At any of those moments, pre, during, post, an event that stresses the nervous system, your, ba your chemical balance is going to look different. So is there potentially a chemical imbalance? Yes. But our chemicals change daily from moment to moment different with every person. There's never a balance, by the way. When something is out of balance, again, it means that there has been some form of impact coming from the environment, something that stresses our nervous system, that hits the brain, that hits our behavior, and that causes a perhaps spike or drop or a balance or imbalance in our brain. But that is not a cause for ADHD. And there, I mean, that is, there's no studies to prove that. If you have one, please send it to me because there's not. I've talked to the top level experts. So I just wanted to take a quick detour on that because when they say that their knowledge about the cause or causes of ADHD remains largely speculative, I go, well, that's not your job. We can be speculative, us, the parents. Philosophers can be speculative. But scientists, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, the same people that actually prescribe you know, chemical drugs, stimulant drugs to our children as young as three years old now, the same people that don't know the cause or the causes of ADHD, they're still speculating and we're supposed to trust them. That's a little ridiculous. And that the audacity for them to turn around and say, yeah, but we know we're the experts. No, but you don't know. That's what that clip clearly showed.
that a doctor who's been treating children, probably hundreds of children, prescribing medication, not to all of them, I'm not saying to all of them, but he's seen hundreds of kids in his practice and he struggles. So the audacity for any expert to say, no, this is it. And so that's exactly what happened. I'm going to move forward now. This was the 1998 consensus at the NIH. In January of 2002, a document was published. It was called the International Consensus Statement on ADHD. And you've, if you've heard past episodes, you've heard me mention this before. This is a paper that is really only two pages. But the, the document itself, because there's so many uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and experts that signed it, and in the studies that they listed later, right? So the document itself is probably like 40 pages. But the actual consensus is only two pages. And this was led by no other than Dr. Russell Barkley, PhD. Um, and I'm just going to read a couple of statements from this. So one of the things they said, ADHD in science. This is only four years later after this NIH consensus uh, panel and Dr. Barkley was there, by the way, as well. Four years later, right? ADHD in science. We cannot overemphasize the point that as a matter of science, the notion that ADHD does not exist is simply wrong. All of the major medical associations and government health agencies recognize ADHD as a genuine disorder because the scientific evidence indicating it is, is so overwhelming. Well, hold on. Now, I do understand what they mean by saying that it does not exist is simply wrong. What they're actually saying, what they, what they mean to say is that, no, there are individuals struggling with these behaviors. They call them symptoms. We, they're really observed behaviors. Let's call them for what they are. So, yes, that's true. There are lots of individuals struggling in their lives because of these observed behaviors. I would never argue that. But how they're phrasing it is, again, an incomplete one-sided narrative. Well, the notion that ADHD does not exist is simply wrong. Well, yeah, but we have to split those atoms like I just did. The struggle is real. That doesn't mean ADHD is a real uh, uh, scientifically proven disorder. They themselves said it's not. You just heard Mark Vonnegut try to describe it. Then in their conclusion at the 90, 1998 panel, saying at the end, our knowledge about the cause or causes of ADHD remains largely speculative. But four years later, Dr. Russell Barkley has the audacity to say, well, uh, all the major uh, associations and government health agencies recognize ADHD as a genuine disorder because the scientific evidence indicating it is so overwhelming. Well, four years ago, it wasn't. So what happened? So... They go on to say, as attested to by the numerous scientists signing this document, there is no question among the world's leading clinical researchers that ADHD involves a serious deficiency in a set of psychological abilities and that these deficiencies pose serious harm to most individuals possessing the disorder. Again, if we were to split these sentences, you know, split the atoms on it, um, you know, a serious deficiency in a set of psychological abilities... So kind of like attention deficit, right? This psychological ability of paying attention and that that deficiency poses serious harm to most individuals. Okay, it could, right? Just like COVID poses harm to humans, but 
many 99.9 something percent survive it recover from it right yes anything an airplane can pose a serious risk to a, a flyer of dying of course i get it right but to say that that it's it involves a serious deficiency in a set of psychological abilities still doesn't say still doesn't prove why this human being behaves that way why the observed behavior is there because the observed behavior called symptoms aren't there because they have ADHD. I'll say it again. When we look at it this way, if a human being has observed behaviors, that's what a symptom is. There's no medical test to this day to diagnose ADHD. And they said that as well at the NIH, right? So since there's no medical tests to diagnose ADHD, the only tests are observational. It's observed behavior. And it's also subjective. There's, been, there's many cases out there where one child, the same child, was diagnosed by one pediatrician as having ADHD, and then the next psychologist across the country said that it's not ADHD. So it is subjective. Some psychologists or experts even try to blame it on the psychologist and say, well, you know, it's, you know, if it's not a good psychologist, then, then, you know, maybe they diagnose them wrong, right? Okay, that's a fair argument. I would though argue, much like Dr. Vonnegut just said, it's a bit from hand, handed down from the top. Like he was saying that, well, I, we don't know if the new DSM is going to have additional symptoms added. He's like, it's constantly changing. It's this dubious kind of nebulous cloud of change and inclusion, exclusion, and so forth. So he's pointing to a bigger issue here. He's pointing to the fact that if there is no uh, um, objective, uh, you know, or medical test, uh, sort of a one uh, a true measure of, of diagnosing ADHD, then we have an issue. And we're clearly having issues. Like, there's no... Even in the NIH, they said, although an independent diagnostic test for ADHD does not exist. This is a consensus only about 20 years ago that the NIH made, came to. Although an independent diagnostic test for ADHD does not exist. Okay. So how come a bunch of psychologists, pro-meds, pro-label, pro-disorder, need to get together four years later to claim that the science is in, right? And then later say, this is why no professional medical, psychological, or scientific organization doubts the existence of ADHD as a legitimate disorder. So I'm just going to have to stop here because if we don't split the atoms, if we don't dive deeper on the statement like that from our top expert, Russell Barkley, one of the top experts in the world. If no one is allowed to stop him and say, hold on, you're saying this is why no professional medical, psychological, or scientific organization doubts the existence of ADHD as a legitimate disorder. First of all, there's many experts that doubt it. And that's going to be my next consensus I get to, which was a follow-up consensus to the consensus. That's one. Second, 
the existence of ADHD as a legitimate disorder. Look, when you have the top people funded by top interest group get together and create a label, that's what that is. ADHD is a label. It's an abbreviation of a label that describes a set of symptoms which are really observed behaviors. Now, to make that a legitimate thing, what ha what only what has to happen is these top experts funded by top interest groups have to say, yes, we now call it that. And it goes into the DSM. The APA distributes it. Now it's a legitimate disorder, right? So I don't even doubt that it's a legitimate disorder because our experts have decided that it's a legitimate disorder. So that statement, again, is almost like, you know, patting themselves on the back of like, well, we're the ones that actually uh, created it. So uh, no expert doubts that it exists. Right, because you've created it. I get it. Nobody doubts that. But where the doubt comes in here is when he says, this is why no professional, medical, psychological, or scientific organization doubts the exist. So he's saying, nobody doubts this. Well, guess what? So that was in 2002. This is the International Consensus Statement on ADHD, led by Russell Barkley. Had a group of scientists and experts scratching their heads. And this was now led by Sammy Tamimi. And Sammy and I had a wonderful, wonderful episode um, on my podcast as well. And I can link to that um, as well. So you, you're kind of kept in the know about that as well, because it's nice to, you know, it's a long episode, but if you want to, if you want to listen to it, I highly recommend it because what happens here is basically just my scientist is bigger than your scientist, right? It's a bit of a, um, a battle of who's got the better study, right? Because what happened is, so in 1998, you had the uh, consensus at the NIH that I've played an audio clip uh, from in this episode, right? Then four years later, um, in January 2002, we had Russell Barkley lead the international consensus statement on ADHD. Now, in 2004, let's see here, yeah, two years later, in 2004, Sammy Tamimi and 33 co-endorsers published what's called a critique of the international consensus statement on ADHD. And what I want to do is just read a couple of things from that statement. And again, Dr. Barkley says there are no other experts, scientists, right? No professional medical, psychological, or scientific organization doubts. Well, there's 43 co-endorsers in this document, in the critique, led by Sammy Tamimi, all highly regarded psychologists, also citing many studies. Again, I'll link to it. And the statement starts off like this. Why did a group of eminent psychiatrists and psychologists produce a consensus statement that seeks to forestall debate on the merits of the widespread diagnosis and drug treatment of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD? Why? If the evidence is already that good, then no statement is needed. However, the reality is that claims about ADHD being a genuine medical disorder and psychotropics being genuine correctives have been shaken by criticism. Not only is it completely counter to the spirit and practice of science, hello, to cease questioning the validity of ADHD as proposed by the consensus statement, there's an ethical and moral responsibility to do so. So they're saying, hey, 
science, you know, that, that's, that's counter to the spirit and practice of science to cease questioning the validity of ADHD. Yet that's what Russell Barkley and his co-endorsers did. In this critique of Barclay's um, consensus, Sammy Timimi continues, there are no cognitive, metabolic, or neurological markers for ADHD, and so there is no such thing as a medical test for this diagnosis. And again, this actually correlates, if you will, with the NIH statement to say, although an independent diagnostic test for ADHD does not exist, now, Sammy Tamimi and his co-endorsers went a little deeper to say it's, there's no medical test for it, right? They go on to say, why has ADHD become so popular now resulting in spiraling rates of diagnosis of ADHD and prescription of psychostimulants in the Western world? Why? This question requires us to examine the cultural nature of how we construct what we deem to be normal and abnormal childhoods and child-rearing methods. Although the immaturity of children is a biological fact, the ways in which this immaturity is understood and made meaningful is a fact of culture. Differences between cultures and within cultures over time mean that what are considered as desirable practices in one culture are often seen as abusive in another. Last statement, I'm going to read two more things. Those in the last few decades of the 20th century in Western culture, the task of child rearing has become loaded with anxiety. And this is Sammy Tamimi and his co-endorsers pointing towards something that I've been researching for seven years and these experts have been researching for way longer. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. That the anxiety-riddled society, the stress, the trauma that we all endure has more to do with the behaviors we call ADHD than any of the not even medically tested, not even having an independent diagnostic test for these so-called symptoms of ADHD. Those are not the cause, they're the symptoms. So, last thing, what it does require is an attempt to positively engage with the interpersonal realities of human life. The conclusion here, and I'm going to read this in a minute, is that we have compartmentalized the body from the psychology, from the environment, meaning that we are trying to, you know, the top experts are trying to convince parents that it's the brain, the physical thing, there's something off in the brain. And I love when Bruce Lipton during our interview said, it's not a hardware issue, it's a programming issue. He said it so simply, so quickly. It's not the brain, it's what goes into the, you know, into the brain through the nervous system that comes from our surroundings, our environment. So Sammy Tamimi and his co-endorsers are pointing at the same thing when they say, what it does require is an attempt to positively engage with the interpersonal realities of human life. What they're saying is we need to do more research into how our culture, the anxiety, the stress, the traumas, affect our nervous systems, affect our brains, affect our behaviors that we then label as symptoms that we then categorize as a mental disorder. That's what I'm saying. That's what they're saying. So I'm going to read the, the uh, conclusion here of the 
This is the critique of the international consensus statement on ADHD. The authors of the consensus statement, this is Barclay and co, sell themselves short in stating that questioning the current practice concerning diagnosis and treatment of ADHD is like declaring the earth is flat, which they did. It is regrettable that they wish to close down debate prematurely and in a way not becoming of academics. The evidence shows that the debate is far from over. Now, this was in 2004, and I believe there was another consensus that Barclay and Camp was back, you know, firing back at them and so forth. So you can see at least the, di the, the, the dialogue keeps going, right? But these are the two sides, the two sides of the debate. If as a parent, you only read those two consensus, and they're not long, they're literally two pages each. You can then look at camp coping, which I believe is Russell Barkley and the sort of pro-label, pro-disorder, pro-child is the problem camp. We call it camp coping. Or you can read Sammy Tamimi and his co-endorsers critique of their statement. And I call this camp thriving. Because in a thriving world, in a thriving life, we never settle for less. We never settle for disempowering facts. We try to understand why they're disempowering. We then go out and try to create something that's empowering. And wouldn't it make sense, at least for the sake of our own children, the future of the world, to not stay in this coping bowl of heaviness of it's over, it's bad, it's what it is, it's all we can do, and we're just going to stay in coping and disempowerment. And, and you know, uh, for me, it's always important to look at the two sides. When I look at camp coping, there's a dependency, there is a brokenness, there is a normal, there's a self-doubt, there's an addiction, uh, addicted, you know, a dependency to something, in this case, medication, right? Whereas in Camp Thriving, there's an independence, an autonomy, a self-love, a being whole, thriving, celebrating unique. Those are the two sides. And if parents just read those two consensus, I believe if you're open, you have your intuitive, your internal guidance system has been calibrated, right? You will recognize where you fall. You will feel the right, you know, which one is the right path for you and your family. There's no right or wrong here. I just, I just come from filling in the, the, the side, you know, the incomplete part of the narrative. And when there's a one-sided narrative who says we are the narrative, I take issue with that because I've now researched it long enough and I've come across experts, top-level experts, many of them, hundreds of them, all speaking into creating that, the other side of the narrative. And so I think parents deserve to have a full, a complete narrative around especially having a child with a mental disorder. I mean, hello, your, your life's about to change once you get that diagnosis. So I feel it's fair for parents to have both sides, to get both sides of the narrative. And that's why we exist. And so I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to link again to uh, the film, Generation Rx, as well as to the NIH uh, conclusion of the consensus, as well as to the uh, studies that I've read from, so you can draw your own conclusions. Never take my word for it. 
I'm here to share how we've connected the dots around ADHD. And we are here to inspire you to connect your own dots, to ultimately choose your own path for your family. And if thriving sounds better than coping, most likely you're in, you're, you'll end up in our camp. And one camp is not better than the other. But I believe when you can live a fulfilling life with all the ups and downs, but you're thriving, hey, I think that's the side to be on. So am I partial here or yeah, sure. This is the side that I've seen cause more fulfillment in my family than the other. But again, there's no hard feelings. If somebody says, you know what, F you, I got to medicate my, my child. I'm going to go believe everything that the current narrative says around ADHD. Go for it. Really go for it. Because if, if you ever change your mind, we're here. We're not going anywhere. There's thousands of parents that are going down now the, the road less traveled like we have. We're not the first family to do this by far. No, hell no. You know, if you look at child-led education, self-directed education has existed for years and years and years. Same with conscious parenting. They were all pointing at the same thing. So the movement has started long before we decided to uh, coin our movement, ADHD is over. We're just coming from the future as a declaration. Kind of like Martin Luther King had a dream. So, so do we. And uh, we're not going to let that, we're never going to give up that dream because it's for the empowerment of our children's mental health. That's why. That's why we can't suddenly say the science is in, we're no longer going to question it. Because that's, we're not standing for the best, you know, possible future of our children. I believe camp coping is not interested in that because their business model revolves around making money from children having mental disorders. It's not a secret. It's not a conspiracy, but that's how it works. Not all psychiatrists or all experts on in camp coping uh, are ruthless and unaware of this. If anything, I believe if you listen to this clip again from this podcast, you listen to Mark Vonnegut speak again, I think he knows what's going on, but he's caught up in this, you know, lifelong uh, building of a practice and he has this title and he gets invited into these circles and but I believe there was some conscience like, you know, piercing through. There was like, I, I, you know, you can tell he's doubted this for a while. But he's been handed, you know, information from the top down to say, no, this is what it is. And you're part of this group and the APA and you're going to keep prescribing drugs and you're going to keep, you know, selling people on the symptoms and the DSM and all, all that stuff, right, is, is the system there to, to keep itself in place. And so I believe there's good people on both sides. But as a parent, you have to trust your intuition. You know your child better than anyone else. And whatever decision you make, you got to own it. And you be in it 100%. And if things change, you change with it. And you go into the new thing in full, 100%. And you got our support either way. So anyway, until next time, be well. Be well.